0: Now playing 52 episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy with your host, Christopher J. Garcia. Roll picture. There is a long-standing tradition for those of us who are science fiction fans, and it's a phrase that we will hear at least once in a lifetime, and usually more often than that, That's that crazy Buck Rogers stuff. And it makes sense. Buck Rogers was one of the biggest... Characters in the history of science fiction up probably through the 1950s. And it first appeared in 1928 in the August issue of Amazing Stories. Oddly enough, the not the thing that was put on the cover, instead that was Skylark of Space by E.E. E. Smith or Doc Smith. And by 1929, there was a daily newspaper comic strip about. Buck Rogers, and that became a huge deal, absolutely gigantic, and once something like that hits, you get all sorts of both imitators and homages, but there was, of course, Flash Gordon uh, starting in 1934, a little bit later you had John Carter of Mars... And there's one, actually, that I had never heard of that I finally found some copies of that's really good called uh, Brick Bradford, uh, which ran for a long time, more than 50 years. I really think I should have found that. Of course, there's also Jack Swift and Don Dixon and Speed Spaulding and all these other ones. But the comic strips really solidified Buck Rogers as a big deal. And what's really amazing is that Buck Rogers was the first science, regular science fiction radio program, and that's starting in 1932, just three years after he was sort of created, and was a CBS show, 15 minutes, starting in 1932, and I want to say it moved up through 1936, and then came back a couple of times in 1939, and then again in 1940, and then in... The late 40s, or I guess right after the war, basically. On a couple of different networks. Not a huge deal as far as radio programs of the time go, but... Interesting to note that it was the first science fiction radio program. And you first saw... Buck Rogers in the 1933-34 World's Fair in Chicago. And... Buck Rogers in the 25th century... An Interplanetary Battle with the Tiger Men of Mars, was a 10-minute short that was shown at the World's Fair. Now, there's also word that a similar short was created of Flash Gordon, and I don't know about the timing of that. That might have been for the 39 World's Fair, which also wouldn't kind of make a lot of sense because Flash Gordon already had a number of successful serials by that point. There was also another short film, apparently produced in 1936... That was an early commercial, really, uh, by the Action Film Company, which was used to sell Buck Rogers merchandise. I've never seen this. I was looking for it, and I haven't found it. But I'm hoping that we can find it, and I'll post it on here. Now, in 1936, Buster Crab starred in the Flash Gordon serial which was a huge deal. One of the most spectacular sh- series of a serial ever made. Huge amounts of money. And Buster Crabbe was the star. This beat Buck Rogers to the punch. And it also made this huge, th- throbbing mass who wanted science fiction serials. <coughs> Which meant that the people who made these movies went back looking for something to make into a thing. And this often happens in science fiction. When one property hits, people go looking for the antecedents to the property that hit to try and turn that, and using the concepts from the big property and make it happen. You could see this in things like Star Wars. Uh, Of course, there were lots of follow-ons, but a lot of them sort of harken back to an earlier time in science fiction. If you look at John Carter of Mars as a reference back to other uh, Burroughs pieces and Tarzan, and all these things sort of bounce off each other. So it made sense that after Flash Gordon did so well, Buck Rogers would be the one that they would come up with to sort of answer that. And it's an okay serial. It's obviously, the first thing that's really obvious is it was made on the cheap. Like, extremely cheap. Uh, It reused, much like Flash Gordon had, it reused a lot of sets from other Uh, Films, including the futuristic musical Just Imagine, and from Flash Gordon itself, from Flash Gordon's trip to Mars. And even some of the costumes were reused from other projects, which is not unusual for that point. Universal at this point was not the big deal. And it would become, but it wasn't. And eventually what happened is the first series, uh, the first serial was turned into sort of three separate movies, all of which are terrible, Uh, but the 12-episode series is well worth watching, and for a whole bunch of reasons. One, it is almost the perfect example of what a lot of people call great man science fiction or competency porn, where one competent dude does everything and can make anything happen, and surrounded by people who are, maybe they're courageous, maybe they're smart, but they're not at the same level as your big hero. This type of science fiction has fallen in and out of favor over the years. And there's currently a couple of different groups that really, really like this as a sort of methodology. It gets boring for me, so I'm not a big fan, but I can see its appeal. As both Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon almost perfectly epitomize these types of characters. Now another thing about it is that one, yeah, it looks kind of cheesy and the acting's only okay. Buster Crabb's actually pretty good. But the way everything is presented, you move from one impression to another. So for example, at the very first episode, they're calling to the Zeppelin and you see a beautiful Zeppelin shot as it moves across the sky with some terrible miniature work. Uh, never work with water in miniatures, that's a key. But what happens is, you get one shot and then you go, and there's an event that happens, and then you get another shot. And that goes, ooh, but in between, there's a lot less importance. Now the idea here is, of course, that uh, Buck runs into a problem on his first thing, he's about to crash, so they release this gas, which puts him in suspended animation, and that's that. He then goes and has adventures when he wakes up. Okay. And it's, this is the traditional sort of format for a serial where you get stuff happens, stuff happens, cliffhanger, stuff happens, stuff happens, cliffhanger. And eventually in the end, of course, it all works out. This is the direct antecedent to serial television. And in fact, uh, a version of Buck Rogers was one of the first... Science fiction television shows on ABC in 1950, and it had the death slot up against Texaco Star Theater, which you know Milton Berle ruled the world, not just television at that point. And none of it survived, sadly. No one's seen any copies of it anywhere, which is a shame because uh, that would be an interesting thing to see how they presented, and if there was actually an influence of the serial, which was at this point would have been about. Uh, 10, 12 years old so it was, you have to wonder if it's going to, you know, sort of have an impact and serials had a definite impact if you look at the way that films of the ni- uh, TV shows of the 1950s were shot when it probably came the biggest, outside of its original comic strip form, which ran for more than 40 years, although the original comic did stop in 67, it took about 10 or 12 years off Came back in 1980, did three more years.
1: Yeah, that happens.
0: But it was really a long-standing. And in 1979, NBC did a... I believe it did a full series, and there was also a... It originally made a pilot film and released that in 1979, and it did pretty well, so NBC turned it into a full series. And this was where I first became aware of Buck Rogers... You had Gil Gerard as Captain William Buck Rogers. He'd traditionally been Anthony, but eh. and And his ship was launched in 1987, and weird things happened, and he ends up 500 years in the future. Basically the same premise. You had, of course, Erin Gray, and she was really good at it. Erin Gray is not a great actress, but here she was perfect for the role. She had this sort of feistiness to her that was really, really impressive. Uh, and everyone, every guy of my age who watched this show really, as religiously as I did, had the massive crush on her. It's it's just, it's impossible to not. And you had most famously the uh, little robot Quickie, which, you know, cute. And you had Henry Silva in it. I think it was only the movie though. And you had all sorts of these wonderful actors in and around it. And it was really phenomenal. And this sort of led to a revitalization. Of course, the the strip came back. There was a wonderful pair of novels. And I think just a novelization of Buck Rogers that came out around the same time. And once that happened... Of course, pinball came. And the pinball, the Buck Rogers pinball game from Gottlieb is phenomenal. It's one of my favorites. Whenever I go to California Extreme and I see it, I'm like, yeah, I'm playing that. It's a very fast board. That's one of the things I absolutely love about it. It's phenomenally good. This film not only talks about the serial tradition, and particularly about how they weren't always the most supported, but... How marketing has always been a part of science fiction films. And there were lots of toys, particularly around Buck Rogers, and that promotional film really, really sells that point. So this is one of those movies that I really think is essential for science fiction film fans to watch, to really get the idea of what's going on in science fiction film. It was the most significant of all the serials up to that point, which didn't feature Flash Gordon. Um, But the character of Buck Rogers is so central to the evolution of science fiction. Without Buck Rogers, you don't have Robert Heinlein. Without Buck Rogers, you don't have the sort of the grand space exploration that leads us to films like Forbidden Planet, Star Trek, and so on and so forth. It really all starts with Buck Rogers. And that's why this film is so key to the entire idea of science fiction film history and science fiction literacy in general. Our next episode is going to be a fun one for me because it's one I haven't seen since I was a kid. And it's a cartoon called The Mechanical Monsters featuring Superman. So stay tuned.